Marini's Media. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. Coming up, harder, better, faster, stronger. Penila joins the Blues but couldn't lead them to victory over United. Arsenal put on a jilly good show as Broad grabs a hat-trick. And there's another massive deal done across the pond as the WSL hits America. I'm Kate Borsay. And I'm Lindsay Hooper. This week we're joined by friend of the show, the Athletic social media editor and South London women's footballer, Harriet Dredge. Hello. Hello, Harry. Um, <laughs> so, so we can paint the picture, Harriet. Um, you're on the floor right now, not because you've been bowled over by the intro of this particular podcast, um, but you are desperately seeking good sound. Desperately seeking good sound, but also bowled over by that wonderful intro. <laughs> you're not injured again either, are you? Oh, well, give it time. We did have um, a friendly at the weekend and uh, my coach decided, given that we only had two defenders, uh, that he'd put me at centre-back. So that was quite an experience for me. (laughs) Not your usual position and it's a chance for you to get knocked around a bit then, as well as stick it in a bit, Harriet Dredge. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. There were lots of booming headers, to be fair. Um, talk us through talk us through uh, the athletic and your role there, and and what you can reveal about the uplift in women's football. I think we all know there was one post the women's World Cup, but what can you tell us about lately? So my role at the athletic, I manage and head up social in in the UK. So that involves promoting our best content each day, and also kind of talking the the writers through best practice on on social media and also making sure that we make sure that our selling point is you know covering all clubs in the Premier League uh, some in the championship and women's football and making sure that we give good coverage to every single club and women's football international football when we cover that and also we cover leagues in Spain Italy and you know and in Germany with Rafael Hochnagstein and yeah so it's trying to balance all of that and making sure we're getting a good breadth of coverage across our social media channels. And making sure that all those wonderful writers behave themselves on social media, which must uh, yes. <laughs> must must make for, for quite challenging times. You are a massive women's football fan. Um, you always have been. I know you've uh, written for Manchester United women in the past. You're a Manchester United fan anyway. In terms of the commitment that the Athletics given to women's football this season, um, I gather that you've got a few more kind of a larger pool of journalists writing about it effectively. Yes, and... Our club reporters are now, you know, making the women's team part of their job and they're making sure that any news that's coming out of those clubs and from the women's teams, they are across that as well. That is a commitment that we are making across the board. And, you know, we've got a lot of talented journalists, obviously, at The Athletic, all of all of whom have an interest in women's football. And like Lindsay said, it's it's growing, uh, it's it's continuing to grow and the emphasis that we're putting on it is reflective of that. We've had a, a few people dipping into to writing about women's football. I had a piece go live last week about rivalry in women's football. And yeah, we're all kind of getting involved because it's, it's something that we're really passionate about. Well, let's get started, shall we, both of you, with a match the BBC described as an excellent advert for the WSL. You're listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Dean's Media and The Athletic. Ball by 
Yelder and the cross wasn't bad either. That's a lovely Chelsea goal. And it's Sam Kerr who opens her account for the season. It first time, it's a really good ball as well. Now, this could be interesting. James is hoping for the cross, and Goldson's there too! Manchester United on terms, and it's Leah Goldson who's got the goal. And it's a terrific cross. Chelsea started their defence of the WSL by drawing with Manchester United. Sam Kerr, well, she made amends for her Community Shield misses. She found her boots again. Uh, She opened up the scoring in this one, but Leah Galton for United levelled on 79 minutes, making for a really exciting finish in this game. So one all the final score, Manchester United, Chelsea. Harriet, your thoughts as a Manchester United fan? In fact, we've been here before, haven't we, where Chelsea dropped points right at the start of the season. Yeah, Chelsea had a, a tough start to the season last season, but Man United have kind of made good on something that they really wanted to do this season, which was to take points off of those teams above them. They lost by small margins in each of those games last season by 1-0, and it kind of looked like that might be happening again on Sunday. But Leah Galton popped up with a, a great goal um, on the 79th minute to equalise. And uh, yeah, I think they put in a really, really good good shift. We spoke last week, didn't we, Kate, about Manchester United and then possibly closing the gap on Chelsea this season. I think this game was a great indication of how difficult they're going to be to beat this season. Casey Stone has got them really well set up. Mm. I also think it is worth saying, I think this is a great time right at the beginning of the season to play Chelsea. There isn't any denying that. I think they are a team that grows into the season. And we also spoke about this bigger squad that she's got to accommodate. So I think that's something to to bear in mind. You know, the fact that Harder got the the final 10 minutes has only just come into the squad. She'll be someone that will be a regular starter at some point in the season. But I don't want to take anything away from this United performance because I thought they were fantastic. I was just going to say the same thing, Linz, actually. Despite, okay, Chelsea, um, you know, growing it into the season, let's not forget that they won the Community Shield. So there's no excuse for them really to not get out of the starting blocks quickly. Um, And I put that credit all in the hands of Manchester United. And as you say, Casey Stoney making some really important changes because it was that classic football thing of being a game of two halves, wasn't it? (laughs) It was. And there was a a few takeaways from a Manchester United perspective that I wanted to to note. One of them was, you know, we're going to talk about new signings and we'll talk about the stellar names I'm sure throughout the the course of this podcast but Ona Battle was one of the new names that came in at United at left back and she really did impress me not only good defensively but good going forward and I think as a left back possibly I want to say early on one of the most exciting players in that position in the league I think this season to watch she had everything and and from a debut performance for the for the opening game wow you know she was electric so I think one to watch with her she really impressed um, Mary Earps I don't know whether you saw as well because I was watching the game on the FA player but I was also yeah. watching um, some of the comments on Twitter and and people were just so shocked at how much she gives instruction as a goalkeeper from the back every time Sam Kerr was on the shoulder of a defender she was telling her defence where exactly that threat was yeah. I think that was really interesting as well to, to hear those instructions how vocal she was um, and let's not forget as well you know there was that that 
outside of the box effort from Katie Zellum, Telford, Carly Telford made a, a brilliant save. There were really good moments for Manchester United in this match. Uh, I really don't want to take anything away from them. I think a draw was the fair result. Chelsea will go on, they will grow into the season. Um, but Manchester United, I think, showing that they are going to be a side that will surprise. And Harry, no Lucy Staniforth yet as well. And I like the fact, um, as you reference, Lindsay, that, uh, you know, Mary Earp's really, really commanding from that position. And that's good to see from, you know, someone who's a fairly young keeper. That team need, you know, a leader, I think I would say, is key to them, whether that's Lucy Staniforth or whether that comes from the back directions from Mary Earp's or whether they both work together. I think that's absolutely crucial for them. Um, Harry, let's talk about Chelsea. Frank Kirby again with another really good game. She had Chelsea's um, assist. We've got this KK combo, haven't we? Uh, Kirby and Kerr um, combo. Uh, Give us your thoughts on Chelsea's performance. They only came away with a draw, but should we be worried at all? I don't think so. I think, uh, as we saw in the Community Shield as well, they are making the chances. It's just about being clinical now for them. And when they are, boy, I think we're going to see some goals. Um, You know, that, that front line with... Player of the player of the year last season, Bethany England, not really getting a sniff at the moment. Yeah. When she comes back as well, that's going to be quite. You know, they are going to be pretty terrifying for for any team in the league. Uh, and Kirby being back is is brilliant because when she's on form as well, uh, she offers something very different to the rest of of that front line. But yeah, it was a really good kind of cross in for for Kerr to get on the end of. It was a really nice move actually from Chelsea. She's one to watch uh, kind of under the radar. And obviously she missed quite a lot of, of last season uh, with, with some health issues. So her coming back is a, is a really positive thing, both for Chelsea and for England. She did look really positive and she did look like she's going to link up really well with Sam Kerr. They seem to have that, that understanding already. One of the takeaways from this match, would you believe Manchester United actually edged possession? And when you think about mm. players like G who's always threading the forwards. You always think that Chelsea are going to have the most possession in matches, but actually Manchester United had 51% compared to Chelsea in 49, which shows just how much they went toe-to-toe with them. Linz, we also got a first look at Penina Harder. Uh, around 300k is her signing fee, according to kind of most of the reports. What did we see from her? How excited? I mean, I'm excited anyway, but did we see a glimmer, a glimpse of anything? Yeah, that's all we got. Uh, It was the final 10 minutes. I would have liked to have seen a bit more. It's one of those where um, I don't think Emma Hayes was in a winning position because if she'd have played her for 45 minutes, we'd have said, oh, she needs more time to to bed into the team. Uh, She gave the fans a glimpse, which is probably all they really needed to see. And from that, I think we got we definitely got the flavour that that she's got a lot to bring to this Chelsea side. Um, And I think she's going to slot in. I think the thing that we got from it is she's going to slot in pretty quickly. Mm. Um, It isn't going to take much time for her to to get up to the WSL standards that we're used to seeing. In fact, she's going to be setting the standards, I imagine. So, um, yeah, exciting one. And she'll she'll have that price tag to live up to. Um, Vivian Miedemar's had it before, hasn't she? And she's lived up to it. I'm sure Harder will as well. Well, it's the Sam Kerr effect, isn't it? So, uh, so yeah, interesting to watch all those mega players at Chelsea try and fight for their time on the pitch. Let's move on to uh, the first game of the weekend, actually. This was the only Saturday kickoff, uh, Aston Villa hosting Manchester City and a match perhaps that uh, could not be described as a great advert for the WSL. Uh, Manchester City taking all three points um, thanks to some poor defending from Villa. Georgia Stanway capitalising um, on the mistakes in the Villa 
defence to score both of City's goals. Now, I've I've kind of sold this down a little bit. There was lots of rallying on Twitter, wasn't there, Harry? People just saying, look, don't take this first game of the season as an indication of what women's football is like. And I just, I just wonder whether it was unfortunate scheduling. Should this have been the fir- very first game of the WSL season? Uh, potentially. I mean, those those errors do happen in men's football as well. And, you know, there is a, hyst- you know, the hysteria that ensues on Twitter also happens in the men's game. So, yeah, I kind of get it. Every every error in women's football is often jumped upon, isn't it? And uh, made out to be a lot worse simply because it's women playing and not men. But I think it was a it was a decent fixture to pick. You know, a newly promoted team playing at, at Villa Park, I think it was, and and playing against City, a t- you know, title challengers. They were top of the league actually when the WSL was curtailed last season. I think it's it's a decent fixture to pick. I think it could have happened in any match as well. Georgia Stanway did you know did well actually to force those errors as well. Mm. Uh, yes, they you know they it was a bad back pass uh, or a, the first one a bad leave. But uh, there were different stages there where it could have been a different outcome. If Georgia hadn't have been, you know, quick off the mark to be putting that pressure on, that might not have happened. If the keeper had gone with her other foot or made a different decision to try and, you know, completely either... you A <laughs> bit of a cliche, isn't it, to, to wipe her out. You've got to wipe her out in that situation. You know, there are a few different opportunities there for something different to happen. But I think Villa, given those two massive errors... They did well then to recover from that because that can completely throw throw a team when yeah. you can see goals like that. So I think they did well to recover, and I think that showed they had a good good chance at the end as well with with Silver. I think where they, if they'd have scored that, it would have been probably a, you know different different end to the game. Not only that Silver chance, Harriet, but they should have actually had a goal. Larson was onside, uh, ruled mm. out for offside for Villa incorrectly, and at halftime, had the score been two one. You do wonder psychologically what that would have done for Aston Villa because I I think you're right. I think they did recover well towards the end of that first half. The first 30 minutes was a write-off. You know, you could see the nerves jangling all over the place. It was that adaptation, wasn't it, to being promoted and, wow, all the spotlights on us were the opening match. Um, Lots of people, lots of eyes, lots of focus. And it was really, really nervy. But then they did start to recover. And I think that goal was really, really harsh on them for Lawson to have that one ruled out so it, it was an interesting fixture and another takeaway from Man City point of view and I said this in the preview that I think Gareth Taylor has got a lot of work to do here of course there is talent in this team there's a lot of development to do but I do not think that they are at the standard that they were a couple of seasons ago and obviously with Nick Cushing departing as well he has got quite a lot of development here with with some of the team to do and I think you look at this on paper and if you didn't watch the match you see a clean sheet and this was far from a clean sheet performance Um, I think there were frailties when it came to the defence I think if they'd have been playing better opposition that maybe in that first 30 minutes hadn't have had those howlers and, and those moments of nerves they w- they would have tested Man City and it probably was a good fixture for them to have yeah I think so a couple of good chances for Emma Follis and you know I think credit to whatever the Aston Villa players heard at halftime because they were settled much more settled in the second half so you know credit for them for not just kind of you know lying down and subjecting themselves to the nerves for the whole game. They did settle, as you said. And it can't be an easy prospect. You know, you've got Chloe Kelly, Georgia Stanway, Janine Becky and Sam Mewis. Mm. Those those, th- those 
you know, attacking players. And whereas I agree, Lindsay, Manchester City do need to look at their defence. That attacking lineup is just, can you imagine facing those players? You'd just be like, I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> There were real positives there. And Harriet, I wondered what you made of Mewis because, I mean, she almost started by scoring, didn't she, with that header that went wide. She almost finished with a goal. And I thought that through ball as well for Becky at one point was just weighted beautifully. Um, she is going to be lovely to watch. And, and like you just said, Kate, as well, Chloe Kelly, potentially one of the signings of this window. Yeah, I thought Sam, Sam Mewis made a, a really good kind of debut uh, and play like those passes that you're saying that she's going to bring something quite different to to the Man City midfield, and she she prides herself on on scoring headed goals uh, as well. So I think she'll be popping up here and there, uh, trying to trying to get on the score sheet as much as possible. Well, this is a cheeky little insert because Stop Press, shortly after we finished recording, Lucy Bronze was announced as heading back to Manchester City. She signed a two-year deal and this is what she's had to say to City TV about the move. I think I always had it in my mind that I wanted to come back to City and want to come back to England at some point. Um, and it just seemed like the perfect time, the perfect opportunity right now. Every year since I've been gone, I watch most games. And I always say that to the French girls, I always say that in the media, that, you know, England League is going to be the best league in the world. Um, Whether that's now, next year, the year after, that's the way that it's going. And I think you can see that with with how each team improves and the the players that want to come and play in England. I mean, I know when I speak with the girls in France and they always say, oh, wow, England looks amazing, want to go and play in England at some point. I think it's kind of the aspirations of a a lot of the top players in the world now is is to come to England. And being an English player, I'm obviously proud of that. And... I think the only way that I could show that I'm proud of that is by coming back to play in England. And, gosh, it's been a bumper news day today. Phil Neville has announced his squad for the upcoming match next month with Germany. And the squad does include Lucy Bronze, as well as giving seven players their first call-ups in quite a well-rounded younger squad this time. Need a mark. Trying to work the space. Now Ford... And Rod, and an incredible team goal from Arsenal. You just have to step back and admire. 6-0, Jill Rod, a special afternoon for her. Hat-trick in the Women's Super League, unstoppable. Let's move on to Arsenal against Reading. A Jill Rod hat-trick, a double from me, Demar, and an opener from Kim Little. So Arsenal cruised to a 6-1 victory over Reading. Uh, former Arsenal striker Dan Carter did get a Reading consolation goal right at the end, but this was the most dominant display of the weekend. Now, Arsenal have come out proving that they're here to fight for the championship and they laid down a real marker with this one. Uh, so Kate, I know you were watching, as were you, Harriet. Uh, did the fact that Arsenal have that game head start do you think that helped them maybe it did I mean I just think Arsenal are going to go for it this season in terms of the league because they're not playing Champions League football they were second in terms of goals scored last season that's one of their great strengths Um, I like the fact that it still looks a settled team despite the signings as well I, I just think that this was Arsenal showing us what 
what they're all about, effectively. You saw some great goals. Kim Little's opener was fantastic. Viv Miedemar's second um, was also very good as well. Beth Mead helping to set up quite a few goals as well. Um, we saw um, Caitlin Ford with the assist for, for Miedemar's second. Same again for the next goal from Jill Rod. So what we saw was some was some heavyweight names here showing their worth. And then a clangor, really, from Manuela Zinsberger, um, the Arsenal goalkeeper, in terms of the goal, the consolation goal that Dan Carter got. But this was this was a great game to watch in terms of skill coming together, a team working together and getting really the best out of the situation. Reading just really didn't have a look in. I don't know what you thought, Harry, but Arsenal's speed, you know, again, their interchanging movement, it just looks so fluid from them. It certainly did in this game anyway. Yeah, and I like what you said there about it looking like a settled team. And I think that's really important. So a lot of the headlines have been about all the new signings coming to the league. And Arsenal, yes, they've got a couple of new signings, but they're not really disruptive signings. They slot in and they play. And Joe Montemuro, uh, he said that, you know, that he buys players to play in the style that Arsenal want to play. And they've they've recruited really, really well. And they really made a statement with this this win, I think. Like like I said, all of the headlines have kind of gone elsewhere and Arsenal look pretty determined to make sure that they're going to be up there fighting uh, for the title and, and, like you say, no Champions League football. So they're going to be kind of zoning in on, on WSL. I don't want to shine a light on what I said in the preview podcast last week, but <laughs> um, I think if you find my Arsenal uh, chat, I did say that Arsenal will push Chelsea all the way for the title. And that what the did you say about Reading process, hoops? I did say I did say that Reading um, would be quite exciting with Fishlock, and she actually really disappointed, didn't she? Yeah. And, uh, well, did you see the Germanized Germanized yes, spelling on the shirt? I did as well. see the the Fishlock uh, shirt from um, from Jess, which must have puzzled a little bit. You know, the problem with Jess Fishlock and um, you, you know potentially a couple of the others of the Reading season, but but certainly Jess is that she had so little game time at Rain last season. She's out of practice and she's an awesome signing and she's a great player, but you're going to have to give her some game time in order to get the best out of her. So we can't be really be expecting too much um, too much from her. There were calls for um, a red card and a penalty from, from Viv Miedemar. We should mention that as well. The refereeing was called into question in this game by Viv. Is that, is that helpful, Harry? Do we need to keep calling refs out for bad decisions in women's football? I uh, this is twofold for me. I think yes, uh, you need to keep calling out decisions when they're wrong, not necessarily, you know, making it personal about the particular referee, but we need to remember that they're not professional and they're refereeing in a professional league. So, you know, there is this massive disparity between the level of officiating and the players that they're officiating. So, we need to make refereeing in my opinion is the next big improvement that we need to to make in this country to elevate the game as a whole because poor refereeing decisions impact matches and can have and but shouldn't have a massive impact on matches if if they're the wrong decisions you know offside calls here a yellow or a red there it can make you know those those moments can make all the difference in football matches so yes we need to be shining a spotlight on refereeing decisions in WSL but obviously not making it you know personal about these referees because we need to remember that they're not professional 
Yeah. Jill Rod, quick word on her from you, Harry. Really good game for her. She signed last season, didn't she? But she she just looks like it's like it's working for her this season. She's almost come out a different player. Really good partnership with Miedemar, linking up with Kim Little too. Could be a real contender in that Arsenal team for one of the one of the faves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she's she scored two goals all of last season, I think. So she's already surpassed. She's already beaten that. Surpassed that total this this season. And yeah, if she can continue with you know first game of the season form uh, for the rest of the season, then you know again we're going to have a like you say a contender for for team of the season and uh, and being up there in the goal scoring charts as well. She's going to take on Miedemar. Well, still to come, Everton score four, Birmingham are well short on players and we're speaking with Meg Linehan about the WSL coming to America and America coming to the WSL. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Amy Lawrence, Nancy Frostick, David Ornstein, Ollie Kay and the very best football writers around. If you're not yet a subscriber, take out a free 30-day trial right now by heading to theathletic.com forward slash offside. Again, Graham into the pass of Govan. Govan with a shot. Govan to score on her debut. Coming off the bench. Well, Everton proved that last season was no flash in the pan as they scored four past Bristol City. Goals from Simone McGill, Valerie Govan and a double from captain Lucy Graham saw the Toffees get a convincing win away from home. And there were new signings on show. We'll get a word on those in just a moment. But I wanted to start, Kate and uh, Harriet, by asking whether you think there's any hope for Bristol. We did mention last week that we worry for them a little. Yeah, look, Bristol have got a really hard run in. They face uh, champions Chelsea this weekend. Then they've got Arsenal after that. So we sort of almost need to need to hold our opinion on Bristol a bit. After the game, interesting comment from Tanya Ox to be the Bristol City manager. The quality of the teams we face in this league is through the roof and they can punish you if you don't do things right, she said. I think we've just got to hold our breath a bit with with Bristol. We can't really judge them, as I've said. I am worried about them, though, because this Everton side, they are rejuvenated. They have had some excellent new signings. But Bristol, I don't know if they had a lot for them, if I'm completely honest. But in a way, I think I'm going to have to reserve my judgment on them just for the moment. Yeah, I, I think they're quite a, a young team in in key positions and I think that's that's really where they're going to have to learn really quickly as the Bristol City manager says that you know they're going to get punished in this league if they switch off even for a second and you know from what from what I saw of the, the match at the weekend they didn't yet they might have forced a couple of saves but they never really properly threatened for any sustained period of time and yeah like you say Kate it's going to be a really tough kind of intro into into the league but when they get to those fixtures where they might be able to enjoy a bit more of the ball and really show us what they're about Ebony Salmon is a, is a great young player uh, she scored the winner against former club Man United last season and you know they do have some talented players in that squad so I'm excited to see you know that, you know they might pull a surprise but yeah I like like you say um we're going to have to kind of reserve judgment there a little bit there were a couple of moments where you could see the golfing class between the teams. And I think Govan was at, at the heart of one of them. And the other was a back heel from Lucy Graham, which was just like, yeah, it was awesome, wasn't it? 
<laughs> yeah, it was it was brilliant. But I, I mean, you can't take anything away from the fact that not every team in the WSL is going to be able to spend, spend, spend. A, a lot are going to have to invest in youth and, and Bristol City are one of those. It's going to have to be about bringing through young talent, good coaching. And I, I do think it comes back to what you said, which is needing some time. And they have got those tough fixtures, as you said. Um, how about with Everton then? So Christensen, I, I'm going to put her in the new signing category yes. because she signed last December. December, but made the debut yeah, um, only this weekend. Um, and then you've got Sorensen and, and I've mentioned Galvan, who I think looks incredible. She is uh, an incredible player. Yeah, what, what were your impressions? So Sorensen, um, who's come over from Bromby, she's one of the Danish um, Danish duo that's uh, that's now in that Everton setup. Um, she got a sniff of goal early on. I liked her movement. I thought, you know, she's she she'd she actually settled it. I mean, I mean this was a good game for her to settle into, right? It was a good game for the Everton team to utilise some of those new seven signings. But I thought she looked like she would fit in perfectly. A word on Lucy Graham, not a new signing, but she scored twice, Lindsay, and she assisted twice as well. Okay, one of her goals was a penalty, but it was it was really her game. And I like the fact that, you know, Lucy Graham's a, 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 a very decent player indeed. And if you've got other sort of star signings lifting up the overall quality of the team and actually ensuring that you've got goals worked really well then that's only going to be a positive thing I was going to say a quick word with Harry because she she plays um, football as well on Lucy Graham it's interesting Harry I wonder for her because Kate mentioned about this bringing out the best in players when you've got quality around you I thought instantly from watching her with the quality that, that Everton have now is that she's still starting to play the ball into space rather than to feet. I don't know whether you noticed that, but it's, it's just when you play football, and I'm guessing that's something that, that you can shed a bit of light on as well playing, that, that it just adds that extra dimension, doesn't it, to your, your own game? Yeah, definitely. And I think what's, what's going to be really good about Lucy Graham this season is that she it will elevate her game playing with these players, but also, you know, she'll she'll come to the fore and she'll start making the right decisions based on the movement of her teammates as well. Mm. And that's that's going to be really important because sometimes when you're a player, you play a pass because you can, but now you should be playing, you know, you should be playing that pass because, you know, one, you trust your teammates and two, because it's the right one to, there to make that pass to as well. Mm. So hopefully that that kind of step up in decision making which is sometimes the hardest thing to do in the moment you kind of see it afterwards sometimes where you're like oh no I had more time than I thought I should have made that pass or this pass and I think that's going to be a really important part of Everton's season as well um, is you know that you're making that switch with with these new new players it will bring a different kind of style of play as well. Okay, let's whittle through some of the rest of the fixtures from the weekend. Brighton got their campaign underway with a deserved 2-0 victory over Birmingham. Birmingham could only field four substitutes. Remember, it's possible to have five in a match. Not great for them. I just want to focus on Brighton a little bit because let's not take away the fact that a 2-0 win, Harry, at the start of your season. Great result for Brighton. What do we think of that? We didn't actually have... Certainly when I was looking for last week's podcast, there wasn't lots of buzz about Brighton. There wasn't, when I did some digging, there wasn't a whole load of encouraging, exciting press lines around them. So good to see them perform in this opening fixture. What did you make of Hope Powell's side? Yeah, well, any any Hope Powell side is going to be well-organised, well-drilled. And I had four debutants, I think, 
uh, against did. Birmingham at the weekend. And uh, Gibbons had a, a, a really good game as well, scored a great opener and then set up the second for Connolly with the header as well. So, yeah, I mean, opening day kind of... it you know, 2-0 win on the opening day, like you said about Man City, it kind of looks like it's a it's a run-of-the-mill, you know, classic classic scoreline, but it's a great start to the season for Brighton. Encouraging stuff too from Inessa Kargman. She hit the woodwork twice in the first half, struck from close range, um, of course, too. So so some encouraging stuff from Brighton there. And I think if they if they hold their nerve, certainly when you're looking at the other potential sides in danger, and we'll get move, move on to Birmingham in just a couple of seconds. But you know, Birmingham, Bristol, Brighton, at the moment, certainly Brighton look the brighter of the three. All right, well, that's Brighton. Birmingham, Lindsay, I know you've got a few things to say about Birmingham. You can oh. unleash your thoughts now. Well, I don't even know where to begin with this, really, but I just don't think it's good enough. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Probably bigger things at play, but this is a fully professional league. And all I can say is at the moment, this is amateur behaviour from top to bottom. I think the fact that on a match day, you announce two players. Destiny Toussaint, who used to be at London Bees, uh, Jamie Lee Napier from Chelsea Women, uh, joined on loan for the rest of the season on the actual match day. Two days before the first game of the season, um, Harriet Scott's announced as club captain with uh, Christy Murray as team captain. That's two days before a season starts. But this is also after a 195-day absence. Now, Birmingham had their warning shot. They had their warning shot last season when Liverpool got relegated. You don't get too many of those. You've had enough time. You've had enough warning. And I don't think there are really many excuses. Um, Yes, they've gone ahead and signed um, ex-Man United midfielder Molly Green. um, And and she's a very versatile player. I think that's probably um, a good enough signing. But it's too late. You know, that was a massive three points that they could have had against Brighton. A huge, here's, huge match in their season. Here's the thing as well, Hoops, and this will give us an indication more than many things as to what's going on there. New manager Carla Ward, we know she's come from Sheffield United, runners-up in the championship last season. When she arrived last month, she said that some players were unsure as to whether the women's team was actually going to continue. Yes, and so, I get that impression. It all yes. feels so very they last just minute. didn't know. You say that they've had this long period of time, and I think, honestly... For most of that period of time, when the season was curtailed and over the summer, they didn't know whether there was going to be a team or not. So that's why Carla Ward's found herself coming into a side with just weeks to go, where she's not only having days to as instil well, well in days, terms of yeah. personnel, where she's not only having to instill confidence and belief and some security into her players, she's also having to bolster her playing squad as well. But this isn't right, is it? In a fully professional league just to try and cling on by your fingernails when when everyone else is charging ahead. You talk about golfs. I mean, the difference between the Arsenal's, Man City's and and Chelsea's compared to Birmingham City's, who, who are one of the first mainstays of women's football and one of the original teams that, that were really going places. You know, they, they came runners-up twice in WSL. The way that they've fallen away, I just don't think that they've been given the, the service they deserve um, from behind the scenes. There's obviously a lot more going on at the club. But again, you know, it, it's women's football suffering, isn't it? Yeah, Birmingham play Manchester United at home in the next fixture. So, you know, that is going to be uh, another rude awakening, I would have thought. Uh, Let's move on, though. It's a great run from Leon. Oh, what a goal! 
Sensational from Adriana Leon. And to round off all the action, Tottenham against West Ham, a London derby. West Ham players scoring both the goals in this one mm-hmm. after youngster Grace Fisk's own goal gave Spurs the lead. Adriana Leon took on the Spurs defence by herself and came out trumps with a superb solo effort to share the points. And West Ham, well, they could have nicked it right at the end via Ruby Grant, but she couldn't quite connect properly. Uh, the big talking point, Rachel Daly to West Ham. That was one of the big transfers, surprises of the week. So I'd be interested to get your thoughts on, on her. Um, and new deals as well for Amaros and Hills. Um, Kate, where do you want to start? Um, shall we talk about Rachel Daly? Harry, I want to bring you into this. She's on loan only until January. Um, Matt Beard was actually talking about the deal on the Women's Football Show on TalkSport 2 um, this week and just said, look, they had a chance to do it, came in kind of right as a surprise. We know that Daly's worked with Matt before um, and knows her and 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 he knows her well. Um, but this was an opportunity that they couldn't miss. And actually, the prospect of players like Julie Flaherty and Rachel Daly working together, that's just there's so much ripe experience there now, Harry. Yeah, absolutely. And West Ham were pretty tough to beat last season with that added experience in with Rachel Daly. I think they're going to be uh, another team to kind of watch out for. When Man United, I covered the Man United game at West Ham last season and it was a end-to-end constantly and, and it was just a real real spectacle. And I think West Ham and that goal scored by by Leon was just incredible. Yeah, it was um, a so, superb yeah, run from her, wasn't it? Just, really good. Just brilliant. And the finish at the end of it as well. So it's all very well kind of doing that run and beating your players and stuff, but then to, to stick yeah. it in the top corner like that... Um, <laughs> It was brilliant, and I think you know this. Uh, West Ham are still looking for their first London derby win in WSL, but I think they could well get it this season if they continue to yeah. kind of build on that second half performance against Spurs. Yeah, it's worth saying that West Ham um, didn't pick up any points at all against um, Tottenham last season, so this is already an improvement, um, and that included that that first ever WSL game at the London Stadium, the big occasion, of course, for West Ham. Um, Tottenham continued to look pretty settled, Kit Graham hitting the bar twice within the first 20 minutes. Um, so I think, you know, for them, good stuff. Great start for them, I think. Uh, although West Ham, as you mentioned, Lindsay could have nicked it at the end. Interesting, because we spoke a lot last season about West Ham's consistency and the issues because they were a frustrating team to follow last season. And you got that right the way through to Matt Beard, sounding frustrated at some at, at, at one point as well, You know, saying, I wonder whether I should be in this job still. But a bit of insight from him on TalkSport 2 with Faye Carruthers and that, and that women's football show that, that um, I thought I would mention. He he said that, that his mistake last season was bringing too many different players in from different leagues and different cultures. He had to let a lot of them go early. And he said, I've never done that before and I'm not doing that again. And he also said that they'd had internal discussions at the club, that that big flu bug which hit them at the beginning of the year. He said that, 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 that they've had internal discussions about whether they did have coronavirus or not and that they've talked about the possibility of that being the case. But yeah, um, a decent draw, um, a good performance from both sides there, Tottenham versus West Ham. So that wraps up the results. Next up, wave your star-spangled banners. 
Well, there was big news from across the seas this week. A massive broadcast deal saw the WSL agree a deal to be broadcast in Germany, Italy and the USA on NBC Sports and on DAZN. We're with us now to talk about that as well as uh, all the US soccer stars flocking to the WSL. I hope I didn't say that with kind of a sound of jammy old us in our voice. Uh, It's the Athletics USWNT and NWSL reporter Meg Linehan. Hi, Meg. Hello. Thank you for joining us, Meg. Um, from a New York apartment, you're yes. back in town. You're I busy. Am. I know the work's sort of ramping up for everyone, isn't it? And it is. It's great it is. to have you join us. Thank you for um, having listen, me. Listen, tell us the tell us the perspective from over there then on the big stars coming over here. What's happening with US soccer that means that we are getting these big names? Is it to the credit of the WSL or is it because of other stuff going on over there? I think, you know, there is absolutely credit to WSL. I mean, it's not just the women's national team stars from America flocking over, right? Pernell Harder coming yeah. in. Obviously, yeah. like, Lucy Brown's returning, right? Like, there are there's certainly movement to head to England. I think there's also a certain appeal to WSL for American stars. Like, you don't have to learn a new language, right? Like, I do remember Heather O'Reilly saying, like, she did have to learn how to drive on the wrong side of the street, which was a bit of a struggle. So, like, there is a bit of a learning curve, right? But it's not necessarily as intimidating as going to France or going to Germany. So there's that appeal. The one real complicating factor, I think, right at the moment is COVID-19. And particularly the American response to it is pretty much across the board terrible. So you have this kind of change in plans, right? The, The Olympics getting postponed. So it allows for player movement in a way that we would not usually see this summer. There are dedicated game, like, you know, you're getting like an actual season and real training in England. And that is not happening here. So that's that has to be a factor. It just it absolutely is one. Has there been any kickback, Meg, from um, sort of USWNT fans or even sort of the bosses um, of US soccer over there? Because, you know, is it is it in the national interest of the US women's soccer team for so many of them to come over here? Yes, they're going to get game practice, but it does, you know, things like quarantine as well. It does affect plans on a national level as well, doesn't it? Right. I mean... You know, England announcing a roster for their first return to camp. The U.S. national team has no firm plans right at the moment, right? Mm. Like, I think they're maybe probably looking at something like a a late October, um, November camp. And that's probably going to be more like uh, they have these ID camps where they bring in a lot of players, right? It's not going to be this is my national team that I'm, I'm looking at for an Olympic roster. It's going to be kind of casting a wide net again, most likely. But even that, like, that's not on the books, right? Like, again, you don't have any real certainty in that. Again, just comes back to the fact that this country has not handled the pandemic well. And it is very, very difficult to make plans at this point in time. And it has adjusted what the NWSL can get away with. In terms of pushback, I don't think there's, you know, obviously there are people who are looking at it and saying, well, you don't care about the NWSL. And really, like, I think what it fundamentally comes down to is every player has to make their own decision, right? And do you enable players within the system of the U.S. national team to make those decisions? And do you enable players who might look at the NWSL or, you know, even at an NWSL level, not necessarily a national team level, and say, like, are you making the choice that's right for you? And Mm -hmm. I would much rather have players in a system that allows them to make individual decisions that are right for their careers than 
feel like they have to stay here out of some sense of obligation, right? That's not necessarily a good thing for the development of women's soccer either. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Let's talk about some of the exciting players. We've seen some of them um, in action already. Um, We've got, obviously, Sam Mewis, Rose Lavelle still in quarantine at the moment. The big news that we're waiting for sort of sign-off on, and it is expected to happen, is Tobin Heath coming from Portland Thorns, Kristen Press coming from the Utah Royals. Um, These are... These are great signings for the WSL. What can we expect just from someone who hasn't followed uh, the US uh, uh, women's national team or doesn't follow NWSL? Which players should we be getting really, really excited about? Which which ones are the, are the real coup or just all of them? I mean, I think all of them. I think Rose Lavelle is extremely exciting. I'm also very curious to see what it does in terms of her career, right? Like she's she's got this rep here as one of the most creative players um, on the team in the world, perhaps. You know, like, mm-hmm. obviously uh, a huge breakout World Cup for her. I think Roosevelt is huge, but I'm also really... I mean, I, I think you saw what you get with Sam Mewis, which is her work rate is is insane. And, yeah, off um, the ball as well. Off the, yeah, off the yeah. ball. And she just, like... I mean, she has a rep of having one of the highest soccer IQs on the U.S. Women's National Team. Like, they put her through a test and she had one of the highest scores. Like, she's awesome. just, yeah, she's got vision, right? Um, but I, I'm really interested in having watched the Manchester United-Chelsea match this past weekend to see what Tobin Heath and Kristen Press can do for that Manchester United team. Like, I think it's going to be a really interesting fit, and I think it's also fun to get in, you know, uh, a competitor outside of the city Arsenal Chelsea mix. Um, has that TV deal gone down well? The um, the NBC deal uh, that will see WSL games um, shown over there. Yeah, I think it's definitely you know it's the fact that we're getting games now on CBS, which is a major broadcast network over here. NBC Sports, right? Like the thing that I keep being struck by is you know I've been covering this game for a while, and I remember the like really illegal web streams we would have to watch or you (laughs) know there were games on yeah exactly or like games on pay-per-view even right like Algarve Cup used to be on pay-per-view um so to see major deals for multiple leagues for multiple women's leagues right at the moment is just it's kind of this has always been the goal and I and I think the thing that people are maybe losing sight of is you know like there's always been this discussion of like who's the best league in the world right and we can set that aside, and I think the thing to focus on right at the moment is that fundamentally the growth of the WSL doesn't harm the NWSL, and the growth of the NWSL doesn't harm the WSL, mm. that both of these leagues succeeding is actively a good thing, and the two leagues challenging each other to do better and to do more and to spend more money and to to learn lessons from each other, like, that's not a bad thing. I, yeah. I'm very positive about having both leagues be as strong as they possibly can be yeah good thoughts well thank you for joining us uh, women's football writer for the athletic based over in new york meg linehan thank you thank you this is the offside rule wsl edition part of the athletic podcast network quick bit of off-field news in the WSL. There's going to be a homegrown quota introduced for the 
2 season to protect the English talents in the game. Um, and that's as the league expands and becomes more attractive to foreign players. It's already there, of course. The new quota uh, means that a squad of 25 players submitted at the start of next season will need to include at least eight that qualify as homegrown. And to qualify as homegrown matches the current men's football guidelines, irrespective of nationality or age. They must have been registered with a club affiliated to the FA for three seasons prior to their 21st birthday. So fixtures for next weekend, we've got this pilot, haven't we? The reintroduction of fans, a thousand um, will head over to Dagenham as West Ham host Arsenal on Saturday. So really exciting to see fans back, even if it is a pilot event. In terms of the other fixtures, Lindsay and Harry, what would you like to pick out? Um, Harry, you go first. Let me have a thing. <laughs> okay. um, I'm really interested, really interested to see how Reading and Acevedo uh, play after defeats on the opening weekend and it's uh, Reading hosting Villa so I think that will be one to watch probably not the ones that uh, everybody will be looking out for but that one will be interesting to see how they bounce back yeah I'm going to go Everton Tottenham just because I'm excited by Everton this season fair play to the club for for investing in them I think we're starting to see that already um, interesting match up the lunchtime kickoff there on Sunday I'm tempted to go with Man City Brighton. I, I think Man City will come out on top in this one, but it will be interesting with Hope Powell and the way that she coaches and Brighton. They they do look very well organised as to what sort of test they can provide. So that's going to take a bit of my attention. Well, it's great to have it back, isn't it, the WSL? And we can look forward to this week in and week out. Don't forget, if you would like to access the podcast ad-free, but also the excellent women's football writing at The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com com forward slash offside and while we speak of offside news by the time this comes out we will probably have given the full details um, of how to apply for Twitter and the Offside Rules Female Writers Mentorship Programme this is really exciting for us Harry you've worked with us for years you know how important this is for us we'll be offering um, three young or inexperienced female writers the chance to join us on a mentorship programme with Sarah Shepherd from The Athletic um, amongst our mentors and that will be a six-month programme um, and we'll be um, set to take applications from this week. We're just we're just really excited to be able to offer this. Yeah, it sounds absolutely fantastic and to be, to be honest, you've been doing that kind of unofficially for a little while now, haven't you, with, uh, with this guy. So yeah, it's going to be really exciting to see where this goes and I, yeah. it's amazing to see. Yeah, really, really excited about that one. Full details on the Offside Rule website, offsiderulepodcast.com. Check out our socials as well for all the latest at Offside Rule Pod on Instagram and on Twitter as well. Um, Lindsay Hooper, um, we're going to be with everyone same time next week. We will be. And I'm, I'm just pleased that the season's back up and running. We've got lots of football to enjoy. And um, welcome back, everyone. Get on board. If you haven't caught up yet, then get mm-hmm. watching all the action and listening to us every week. Bye-bye for now. Bye. You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside Rule at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule WSL edition is a Money Knees Media production. Marini's Media.